0: Miami-based billionaire John Ruiz went hard when he clapped back at Nick Saban. So why does Nick Saban sound like a little teenager? You are Locked On Canes, your daily podcast on the Miami Hurricanes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, hello. I'm Alex Dono, your host. I'm a University of Miami alumnus, longtime South Florida sports radio vet, including post game and pre game on the Miami Hurricanes radio network. And thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen and your first watch each and every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts and available free on YouTube. If you're watching us on YouTube, make sure to hit that thumbs up button and subscribe to Locked On Canes. So we're still getting fallout from Nick Saban going scorched earth, especially on Texas A&M, saying, quote, they bought all of their players for this recruiting class. He also went scorched earth on Deion Sanders and Jackson State for getting Travis Hunter, and Miami caught some stray bullets as well, specifically the basketball program. But when you talk about the NIL business, That is paying out most of that name, image, and likeness money, whether it's Miami basketball or Miami football, and most of it is going to football. You're talking about billionaire John Ruiz, CEO of LifeWallet Cigar Racing. That's where the biggest chunk of the NIL money going to Miami student-athletes is going to. And, okay, quick refresher on what Nick Saban said. Then I want to talk about John Ruiz's response. He had written a couple of tweets that we talked about last week, but the comments that he made to the Miami Herald over the weekend go a lot more in-depth. There's a lot of stuff to unpack there. And, guys, I also want to discuss whether this whole saga, once it does start to quiet down, and I think it will pretty soon quiet down, because I think Saban is starting to realize, if I keep running my mouth about this, People may start digging up where my bodies are buried, if you know what I mean. So I think this is going to start to quiet down a lot this week. Is this saga going to make the University of Miami and the Miami Hurricanes football team, is it going to make them look better? Is it going to make them look worse in the public eye? Or is nothing going to change? So here's what Saban said specifically about Miami. And he didn't say life wallet directly, but we know he's talking about life wallet These guys at Miami that are going to play basketball there for four hundred thousand dollars. That's in the newspaper, Saban said. The guy tells you how he's doing it, but the NCAA can't enforce their rules because it's not against the law, and that's an issue. He said that's a problem. And unless we get something that protects them from litigation, I don't know what we're all going to do about it. So here were the comments that John Ruiz made to the Miami Herald in response. He said he was embarrassed. By Saban's choice of words, shocked, said Ruiz, shocked that somebody in the business for such a long time and on top of his game was totally clueless of what this all means. He basically said, I'm losing my market dominance because of everything that's going on and then starts throwing everyone under the bus. Ruiz quote continues. This was a very, very poor display of judgment and character, he said. It felt like a little teenager whining about why previously they had free reign. And all of a sudden, when you level the playing field, it changes for Saban. It was very ugly of him. It's totally inappropriate the way he conducted himself and handled everything. And here's where Ruiz fires a little bit of a shot at Saban. More egregious is the very statements he made contained multiple NCAA violations of how he is involved in the process of the collectives and speaking to the kids about it and getting the kids involved. He was asking for collectives to be formed and provide payments to players because they would be at a disadvantage competitively otherwise. That is not what the NIL laws are designed to accomplish." Wow. Now, okay, um, I think, When Saban made those comments, especially in the audience, he made it too, because it was an audience of boosters. He was trying to fire them up. He was trying to encourage them, I'm sure, to donate money. I mean, Jimbo Fisher even noted he was asking them for money before he started bashing NIL. Uh, I think Saban needed to be a little bit smarter in that moment to know, hey, even though I'm speaking to a very specific audience here, this is being filmed. There are newspapers here. This could get out. And it did get out. And it didn't make him look good. And guys. Saban needs to be very careful here because we've heard rumors for years, rumors, about him burying some bodies with how he's done his recruitment over the years. Jimbo Fisher referenced it when he clapped back, and boy, was that strong. He said, do some digging, he kept saying, (laughs) said Jimbo Fisher. He's basically encouraging every reporter in America to dig a little deeper, to expose Nick Saban's, you know, lies or whatever inconsistencies, whatever you want to call it. Now, I am sure that a lot, and Jimbo also said, talk to anybody he's worked with. Like he kept saying that, talk to anybody he's worked with. And Jimbo has worked with Saban as well. I'm sure that a lot of these coaches would prefer not to rat Nick Saban out because they might have bodies of their own buried. Like it's sort of, this may be a terrible analogy, but bear with me it's kind of like when you talk about going to nuclear war, you don't just put in those launch codes unless you're fully prepared for a counter strike. But what Jimbo said about Sabin was basically a warning to Nick Sabin. If you keep talking like that about NIL, when we're not breaking any rules, Miami's not breaking any rules. Um, I, I don't think, Jackson State was breaking any rules, or USC, Texas, whoever else is at the forefront of this. He's basically saying, if you keep talking like that about NIL, me and so many others who have worked with you, we have the ammo to expose you. That's what Jimbo Fisher was saying there. So here's what we all want to know about, because this isn't locked on Texas A&M. This isn't locked on Bama. This is locked on Keynes. How is this all, when the dust starts to settle, how is it going to affect Miami? Because anytime people bring up their complaints about name, image, and likeness, they always bring up John Ruiz and what he's doing for University of Miami student-athletes. Honestly, I think a lot of good can come out of this in the short term and in the long term as far as what Miami is doing here, uh, what's being done for Miami, I should say, because it's not Miami cutting the checks. It's John Ruiz and other NIL donors and collectives cutting the checks. I think this is going to be good for Miami in the long run. So Nick Saban got obliterated by Jimbo Fisher. And from what I can tell, pretty much everyone outside of Tuscaloosa or anyone outside of the Alabama inner circle of fans, alumni, thought Saban got put in his place. Right, sounding incredibly petty, Saban, for complaining about other schools following the rules of NIL to get ahead, because that's what they're doing. They're following the rules. So if you're getting called out, as Miami has, John Ruiz has, if you're getting called out by the guy who's currently not winning in the court of public opinion right now, I think that's a good thing for you. I think Miami at least they look like they're on the right side of this at the moment. Okay. Additionally. I really think it's a good thing every time shots are taken at John Ruiz and Life Wallet. I think it's a good thing because that gives him an opportunity to counterpoint, defend himself, and he's always stood up for himself and his company very well. I think the more digging that people have done here, the more they realize Ruiz has a very professional operation and he's doing things by the book. So I think the question should be, do you like the book? Or do you not like the book? Because whether you like the book or not, John Ruiz is doing things by the book. I think right now, the more transparency, the better. You remember when that anonymous AD from a Power Five University, an anonymous athletic director, we talked about this story about two weeks ago, took shots at Miami. Uh, reporters started digging. And then they actually ended up having good things to say about Life Wallet. Paul Feinbaum, Colin Cowherd uh sports illustrated right right the same thing I think is happening here after the shots that Saban took now will name image and likeness which is just over a year old will it ever get tweaked transformed updated reformed if that's the right word to use I think so it's so much in the early stages I I don't think they're ever going to get rid of it completely I mean, how can you with the laws going state by state? I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle on this. But I I do think that at some point, NCAA enforcement, uh, if there even still is an NCAA, because if they really piss off the Power Five, they just might break off and do their own thing. But NCAA enforcement, I think, can probably do a better job making sure that NIL deals are being offered only after a player commits somewhere and gets settled, not before, because if those offers are coming in before, then it's a direct tool for recruitment. Now, it sounds simple for me to say that. Like, hey, make sure the NIL comes when the player's already there, not before he gets there. It sounds very simple. I'm sure that people will try and find ways around that, but I I think something like that would be a start. So uh, I think that you know what's happened over the last – five days with the Saban-Jimbo war. I think it makes Texas A&M look really good because they were directly blasted and Jimbo Fisher has defended himself at his university incredibly well Uh, and I think Jackson State and Miami to a lesser degree also come out of this I think in a positive front. So I think that this saga has actually been good for the U. When we come back have a couple of really really good questions that came from you guys and make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, we will follow you back. You can follow our show account is at locked on Canes. We're at locked on, Canes on Twitter. Make sure you follow us. Help us grow the community. We'll hit follow back. You can follow my personal account as well at Alex Dono. Dono spelled D-O-N-N-O. But I thought we got an excellent question about how much better things are going to be right away under Cristobal than they would have been with another year with Manny Diaz. And this one makes me rack my brain a little bit. And I feel like my brain is running strong today because I got my nutrition this morning, courtesy of our friends at Built Bar. I love brownies, but do you know what I love even more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just while I'm making the brownies. Imagine if you could lick the brownie spatula clean and get some protein in while you do it. You're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever the Brownie Batter Puff. You heard me right. This puff takes protein bars to a whole new level. They're available right now on Built.com. Have you tried the Built Puffs yet? I'm not sure what you're waiting for if you haven't. Puffs are a chocolate covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right. Delicious flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate with 140 calories only 17 grams of action pack protein and only seven grams of sugar. Brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick me up after any day. The built puffs are covered in hundred percent real chocolate. That means that with built, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. I've transformed my fitness and my body over the last seven months, guys. And built bars helped me do that because I've got that sweet tooth. And this is a healthy snack that feels like a treat. And built bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. The Brownie Batter Puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself, bros. This is real life. Go to built.com to get Brownie Batter Puffs right now. Go to built.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Thank you for making Locked on Canes your first listen. Now for your next listen, check out the Locked on Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day plus instant reaction, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So a good question came in uh, because a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the, the expectations year one under Mario Cristobal. All right, Because obviously, over the next three or four years, with the amount of money we're investing in Cristobal, his entire staff, the entire staff is making $8 million. I remember when Miami used to have a, an assistant coach budget, like in the six figures. Now, we've got one deep into the seven figures, the infrastructure being built, the work being put into recruiting. Over the next three or four years, you better be at least competing for college football playoff spots, getting in the college football playoff. As far as the year one, um, the year one projections go, I was a little bit uh, less uh, bullish on that when we talked about it last week. But this is a good follow up to that. Jody Tips, who's at canes for Life on Twitter, great account. Make sure you sh- you throw Jody a follow. Uh, he said questions for the show, Alex. Number one, what would have been the expectation, win or loss for Manny Diaz and his staff had he returned? And then question 1A, is Mario and his staff worth one, two, or three games of improvement over what would have been expected from Manny and his staff? I'll tell you what makes that such, it's more of a brain teaser than you think, because you can't just say Manny and his staff are back in this hypothetical world and everything else is equal. Because I don't think everything else would be equal. Um, There were a handful of players in the transfer portal, and even, you know, uh, 2023, class of 2023, or sorry, class of 2022 recruits that are coming in, uh, you know, people like Jaleel Skinner, uh, who I don't think would be here if not for the work that Mario Cristobal and his staff put in for those first couple of weeks before early National Signing Day and then the next couple of months before late National Signing Day. So the roster wouldn't look the same. You certainly, maybe you would have gotten different transfers to play on the offensive line, but you certainly wouldn't have gotten Jonathan Dennis from Oregon Or Logan Sagapolu from Oregon. They very clearly came here because they were following Mario Cristobal here. So the team wouldn't be exactly the same. So that's a little bit of a variable that you throw into this, okay? Miami had, under Manny Diaz last year, a 7-5 and season. Um, Now, remember, they were a lot better the second half of the year than the first half of the year. Tyler Van Dyke's emergence mid-year had a lot to do with that. So... I saw a couple people responding to that tweet. Like, oh, if Manny was back, it'd be like six wins. Um, Guys, I'm going to go out on a small limb here, if you call it a limb. I think if Manny Diaz were back this year, he and his staff, I still think the team would probably win about eight games because a full season of Tyler Van Dyke. um, I'm going to assume he's going to be as good or hopefully – better than he was for the final six games of last season. I don't think with a Lamborghini like that playing quarterback, I don't think Miami's uh, winning less than eight games, even if I wasn't a huge fan of Manny Diaz as a head coach, and I'm not. So I'm going to say that if Manny and his staff from last year were back, I still think they would make about a one-game improvement. And that doesn't include, you know, bowl game, whatever. Remember, they didn't play their bowl game last year because they had a COVID outbreak on the squad the week of. So they they only played 12 games last year, seven and five on the season. I think even if Manny and his staff had returned, I think they would be eight and four. Uh, you know, they didn't lose a whole, well, receivers, yes. They The the two, I thought the biggest losses that they had from last year's team were the wide, wide receivers, but they didn't lose any early draft picks from last year's team. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke, a full season under him, we would assume. I would say Manny Diaz and his staff would probably win eight games next year with this team. So then the question is, is Mario and his staff worth one, two, or three games improvement? Uh, or would the same have been expected from Manny and his staff? I mean, you know me. I'm record, I'm on record as saying I think Miami win 10 games this coming year. So I'm going to go with a two-game improvement for Mario Cristobal and his staff. Some of that has to do with the players that they were able to bring in that I don't believe Manny Diaz and his staff would have been able to bring in in the transfer portal in the late stages of recruiting. Obviously, I think the biggest part of that is better-run practices, a lot more accountability, a lot less laziness, a lot more toughness. Mario and his staff are going to have these guys working a lot harder than they were the last few years under Manny Diaz. That's a big thing. And, you know, I think that under Josh Gaddis, the offensive coordinator, I would say that the the running game is going to be a much bigger factor because that was an area. I've sung the praises of Rhett Lashley, the offensive coordinator for the last couple of years under under Diaz. He's now the head coach at SMU. I overall liked his style of play, and I liked what he did with Miami's offense. But um, the running game, was it personnel, offensive line, part of it? Sure. I also thought scheme had a lot to do with it. Terrible and short yardage. I don't think you're going to see Miami – on third down and half a yard, losing yardage like last year, I think you're going to see them moving the chains and picking up yardage. So uh, I think a lot of things are going to improve instantly under this staff, but I got to remind you guys, and you should know this by now, the real improvement, like the real jump, the jump from good to elite is going to happen over the course of two, three, four years, not one year. So I'm not saying this as an excuse or a cop-out and like, hey, you know what, if, if they only win seven or eight games next year, that's okay. I'm not saying that's okay. I'm saying if you want to see the real improvement for Miami football, that's going to happen over multiple years because the revolution that they're pulling with the attitude of these players and the way these players train and work, it takes a little bit of time there recruiting all Obviously also takes time and it's going to be, I think, a couple of recruiting cycles before you really see the difference in the depth. Uh, And that leads us to our next question. This is from our friend ATM on Twitter, all things, Miami says, where do we lack the most dependable depth? He says receivers end, offensive line in years past, we had positions that had major drop off in players that were dependable, but this year's team to me, isn't like that. He says positions are filled with transfers. that can come in and play well. Yeah. I would still say, uh, and you guys are are more than welcome to comment on this in the YouTube comments, uh, podcast review comments, or on Twitter at locked on Canes. I still think linebacker is, is a big one, even though Caleb Johnson was a big ad in the transfer portal, uh, which really made me feel good. And I would still say wide receiver. Like because uh, the key word being dependable depth was what he put in his question, ATM. Dependable depth. I would still say wide receiver is a question. You've got a lot of guys, but how dependable are they? I don't think it's a coincidence why Miami has tried to get every good receiver who's been in the transfer portal, right? They they missed out on Jalen Robinson. They missed out on Jordan Addison. Um, they did land Frank Ladson from Clemson, who didn't have... He had kind of a quiet spring, so I hope he really steps out in fall camp, uh, which I think was the case with Charleston Rambo last year. Charleston Rambo had a quiet spring and then he really stepped out in the fall. Maybe Frank Ladson will do something like that. So I, I would still say uh linebacker and receiver are the big ones. Like I, I feel, I feel much better about defensive end and edge rusher, right? Cause they've added so much there. And and some of these guys who are, can play defensive tackle as well. There's a lot of versatility, but adding players like Mestador, Agude, Moultrie, Lichtenstein from USC, who had a good spring game. Uh, I think, you know, depth of defensive tackle is going to be helped because a lot of those guys can also play tackle. I just, I really need Leonard Taylor just to have a monster year and step out this year. So, got one more question that I want to get to on the other side uh, as far as uh, win projections for this coming season and CBSSports.com. They weighed in on what you would consider to be a failure of a season for the Miami hurricanes this coming year. I'll tell you, it's never a failure when I need auto parts and I go to RockAuto.com, It is a success every time with the ever increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. So why would you endure often pointless or seeming seemingly intimidating questioning like, Is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And then you wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. Guys, you have computers with access to rockauto.com. You have them at home, and you have them in your pocket these days. So save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership. And listen, guys, I've been there, man, up until uh, a few months back. I didn't know about Rock Auto. I know about Rock Auto now and the savings I can get. So if you have that Honda Odyssey, you want a new fuel pump? That's going to cost $353 from a chain store. Only $216 from Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years Years. So go explore their easy to use website today to find a solution to your auto part needs. They have everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet for your car. I I had to change out my carpets recently because I got a four year old kid. So I was tracking mud in there. Uh, my, my floor carpets were in rough shape. I replaced them recently through rock auto. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. And make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen each and every day. We're available free wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey. And we're also available free on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Uh, color commentary, C-U-L-L-E-R commentary. Nice play on words. He tweets to us, not sure, but it seems like a frequent question in the 305 between the fins and the Canes. I expect. Additional one to three wins for both, but I feel more confident in Mario Cristobal. Now, I know this isn't locked on Dolphins. My guy Kyle Krabs does an awesome job with that, but um, I, I agree with Color. I'm expecting a bigger immediate improvement from the Canes. Part of that is not even as much the Cristobal effect. I just think Tyler Van Dyke having a full season with more experience, I think, is going to benefit Miami. Uh, You've added some quality depth. The running back rotation looks very deep. The tight end rotation looks deep. Wide receiver is a work in progress. I I like safety a lot. I'm liking a lot of what we're doing in the defensive line. The coaching is fantastic. So, yeah, I think Miami is going to make a two to three game, Miami being the Hurricanes, a two to three game improvement this coming year for all the reasons we've discussed earlier in this episode. Um, As far as the Miami Dolphins go, yeah, I think the Canes will have a bigger Win-loss improvement. Uh, the Dolphins, who won nine games last year, they've got such a tougher schedule this year because the AFC is so much tougher that I think the Dolphins could get considerably better on the field and still have about the same record. So I'm with you, color. I think we're gonna have a, a bigger improvement from uh from the canes than we will from the dolphins now. We also, uh, I just want to throw a shout out to this guy because I do want to talk about his question later in the week, not today. We also got a question from Mitch about dark horse players this year for Kane's football. I just wanted you to know I like it and I like it so much that I think it deserves more time on a future episode this week. So uh, it's actually a similar topic to something that I was going to bring up, I think on last Thursday's show, but the Saban comments came out and it just... It gave us other content. We had to sweep some things under the rug, and we're going to get to them on our next episode. And speaking of expectations, uh, this is a a question tackled in a column at CBSSports.com this week. Chip Patterson wrote this piece. What are reasonable expectations for Mario Cristobal in year one at Miami? He says, Cristobal is so passionate about his alma mater and seems to have perspective Uh, on the year-over-year work required to restore Miami's glory, but patience doesn't come easy with college football fans. He's darn right about that one. Uh, What's worse, he says, or better, depending on your perspective, is that even unbiased logic suggests Miami's expectations for 2021, or I think he means 2022, should include competing for an ACC title. The Hurricanes have the reigning ACC Offensive Freshman of the Year at quarterback with Tyler Van Dyke and an impressive coaching staff assembled by Cristobal. They're also staring down a division that just saw three schools change their coach and two others lose their quarterbacks to the NFL draft. How Miami stacks up against Texas A&M will dictate the national conversation, but closer to home, it's fair to think that anything short of playing in the ACC championship game is a disappointing season. And you know what, Mr. Patterson? I think we all agree think we all agree um i think there are a few in my audience who set the expectations even higher than that even saying we should win the acc this year i don't agree with that for this year um i would consider what chip patterson said it's completely on my level win the coastal anything below that is a disappointment play in the acc championship game nine or ten win season i'm thinking ten right? But nine or 10 win season, play in the ACC championship game, get yourself into a bowl game that people actually care about, right? Like let's not go back to El Paso or Shreveport for the thousandth time in the last 20 years, but let's get to a, let's get to a bowl game people actually want to tune into. And then we can talk about a successful season for year one. So I, I completely agree with that. So thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember uh, subscribe to our audio podcast on all the major channels where you find those. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, We hit 1,000 subs over the weekend, which was a huge milestone. That was a great short-term milestone. Now we're setting our sights for 10,000. So make sure you smash up a like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And, guys, thank you so much for making Locked On Canes your first listen today. Now make your second listen the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast. Raphael Barlow, Richard Stamen, Sam Ferris, and Leif Tulin give fans an in-depth look into the biggest prospects, the latest player rankings, and, of course, Big boards, follow Locked On NBA Big Board every day on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So we will talk to you guys again tomorrow on another episode of Locked On Canes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.